Hi, everyone, and welcome to the fourth episode of the FDIP, the official podcast of the Faculty Development and Innovation Center at EIU. I am Michael Gillespie. I am the director of the Faculty Development and Innovation Center. This podcast series is to further promote teaching excellence through the sharing of information related to instructional design, teaching strategies, and innovation. In this episode, I am going to be talking to our very own Kim Irvin, the instructional designer at the FDIC, and we are kind of turning the tables today because usually she is in the host chair for this podcast, Uh, but I thought maybe we wanted to learn a little more about her and instructional design at EIU. So Kim, welcome. Hey, thank you. Not going to lie, this is a little unnerving. Is it a little unnerving? Just a little bit, but hey, I'm starting to feel comfortable with the uncomfortable. All right. Well, good. Well, that's an important aspect of doing this work, right? And it's something that we definitely promote. Sometimes it's okay to be uncomfortable. You stretch yourself out a little bit. Yeah, that's, that's right. Good. Excellent. So it's, I'm glad you were willing to do this. It's good to be here. It's good to be on this side of the microphone and uh, be able to do a, a little interview with you. Um, so I thought we'd get started with a, a nice, easy question. And I thought maybe you could just tell us what is instructional design? Oh, I love that question. So, so if you look up instructional design, if you Google that, the definition is going to be the process of developing and selecting instructional materials and learning activities with careful consideration to how students learn and what method strategies will most effectively help individuals achieve their academic goals. Okay, get a star for learning the definition of go. instructional design. Right, but what does star. you know what does that really mean in plain words? So in my opinion, it marries different fields. It marries the disciplines of education. It marries the discipline of psychology, and it marries the discipline of communication to create effective teaching processes or plans. Um, Ironically, the grassroots of instructional design started in the military during World War II, and they had soldiers that they needed to uh, teach a very complex process to in a very short amount of time. And so breaking down that complex process um, was the birth of instructional design. So that's where it it started. And if I had to paint a picture of instructional design, it would be a garage. And I would call it my course garage. Okay. The course garage would, you'd have your course displayed however you'd like, maybe on a table, um, on a monitor, whatever. And then all around the sides of the garage are these tool chests. Okay. And these tool chests, one of them might be technology, instructional technologies like D2L, Zoom. Another tool chest might be the learning sciences like um, interleaving, spaced practice, um, concrete examples. Another tool chest might be instructional materials and taking the concept of like accommodation um, and applying that to the instructional materials or just using podcasts, um, that as an instructional material component. Another tool chest might be about learning activities and it might have a little section in it about group work, things that you need to consider with having group assignments or transparency in assignments. It's got all these little compartments within the tool chest. And then another tool chest might be just concepts within instructional design. It might be the concept of cognitive load. Mm -hmm. You know, how much is too much 
information at a time, chunking the information down, or just the user experience, especially if you're talking about online courses. You know, let's consider the user experience in this. So instructional design really is like the secret weapon with good pedagogy. All right. You know, I think that's great. And I think when you when you gave us the definition, the, the word that really stuck out to me was methods, because to me, instructional design, uh, as you've talked about with your garage, you know, all those tool chests have methods to them, right? Interleaving is a method of doing something. And oftentimes when we're, we're teaching and designing classes, we don't often think of it as a method methodological thing where mm -hmm. we're, we're actually putting something into practice to share some content, create some knowledge, work with our students and our learners uh, in that way. And um, I thought that that was a really nice word to have in there because it really is, when you teach, it is a method. You know, mm -hmm. teaching is, is that, and design is a method. So it was really great. So, so we have this really great visual of this garage and all these tool chests and all these tools that we can use in instructional design. But instructional design uh, is different at different universities. So how do we do that here at Eastern Illinois University? Yeah, and that's a really good thing to clarify for our listeners. Um, in our department, we offer one-on-one -on -one consultations. And it's one of my favorite things um, is to talk with a faculty member and be that guide on the side, not the sage on the stage, and help them learn about what their vision is for the course, and then learn about what's going well and what is not going well, and helping that faculty member reach that goal that they have for their class, whether it be in person or online. So online, or I'm sorry, one-on-one -on -one consultations, and then another big area of our department is the um, professional development opportunities and certificates that we offer. Um, we have online learning communities, we have workshops, and then we have certifications that faculty can earn. We are, including you, Michael, a three-man show for our entire university. So when, when you mentioned that universities offer instructional design in different ways, that's very true depending on the number of staff that they have. Our limited staff, we take the stance that we feed you the information, we offer the suggestions, but the faculty does the work in the implementation. So... That's good to clarify. Yeah. And another thing, too, that if I can mention, we've talked about what is instructional design, the definition of it, how does it work here at EIU. Personally, I think something to clarify what isn't instructional design. And I think a confusion can be between instructional design and instructional technology, IT, ID versus IT. And we get that confusion a lot. And that's not necessarily the faculty's fault. <laughs> um, it's just, it's a misconception that instructional designers are all about instructional technology. And we are from the aspect of incorporating it and using it, not fixing it. Right. And, and that's the difference. Right. Right. And we, we even use the word technology in this day and age as something that's high tech, right? Something that's electronic that we can access online. But even in some of the social sciences, technology can be something that is just novel for the time. You know, a pencil was high tech at some point. And using sometimes even the most basic tools can be some of the most effective tools that you can use too. So I really think that's a good distinction because instructional technology, while it's important, sometimes obfuscates a little bit about what effective instructional design can be and can do for, for 
for the learners and for our students. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, that's really great. And I think, you know, instructional design is unique to our university because you said we're a three-person show. Uh, and we do do some of the back, you know, behind-the-scenes administration of some of our instructional technology only to help you know, further it on our, on our campus and, uh, and, uh, with our faculty and our instructors, but how, could you say more about how it is unique here? Because, you know, sometimes we think of instructional design as like these teams of people, you know, that, that do this. So how, how is it that we can actually work with faculty to be able to implement a really effective course design? One-on-one consultations is where I see a big contribution to that. And then Going through our um, OCDI program, if you're teaching online, so that is for Teaching Online, Online Course Development Institute, and faculty kind of coming around to our side of the desk just momentarily to get the picture that we have on things. And then I think having that understanding, we can work really closely together and be a team. I'm, I'm a big team player member within all my interactions and everything that I do. And I believe so much. I know I've already stated it, but just that uh, I am definitely the guide on the side. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes also I think faculty, there may be a hesitation with wanting to work with an instructional designer because they might be giving up control of their course. Not at all. Not at all. Um, I think a little bit personally where that Miss or that misunderstanding happens is us ID people. We are very accommodating. We're very helpful people, and we get excited very easily. Yeah, we do. That's <laughs> right. We do get excited. Yeah. And sometimes that excitement can translate into ah, they're taking over. Not at all. Right. Not at all. Right. I'm just you know spewing out ideas and things, and you know trying to help you realize your your vision That's for right. your class. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's. I think you nailed it there because we really we want to work with people uh, and so that to empower them almost to be able to yeah. develop their courses. And at other places, you just might have someone do it all for you, and then you get this this class back that you get to teach, uh, and it's might not be exactly what you would have done yourself, or yeah. it's, it's a little different. So that's good. So so let me ask you this because you've talked a little bit about being the guide on the side and um, thinking about how you love to do the one-on-one consultation. So what's your approach to instructional design? If somebody came to you and said, Kim, instructional design me, what would your approach be? Yeah, so I would first wanna learn what's your vision of your course? And what's your vision, what's going well, and what isn't going well? What would you like to fix? And then the first thing that I'd wanna visit, visit with you on is the learning objectives. I think the foundation to a good course. And it's also one of those areas that a little tweaking with the learning objectives, making them measurable and making them align so that your module level or your unit level objectives align with your course objectives is relatively a small tweak can, that can have a big impact on a course and on the quality of the course. So that's where I would start. I would okay. start with, unless, you know, unless the faculty member specifically wants to come and ask about a specific thing, sure. you know, the, this is what I'm, I'm having an issue with. And absolutely, we would address that as well. Okay. Excellent. So, so the alignment issue with mm-hmm. learning, we talk about this a lot in the yeah. FDIC amongst yeah. our team and you're trying to think about this. How does this, um, how does this pair with something like, um, course mapping, for example? So 
course mapping is kind of a, a term for using, um, applying course design, putting a course together. And um, if I'm going to answer your question correctly, I like the backwards design method to developing a course, which with backwards design, you first, you first think about and establish what are your course level objectives. And then from there, what assessments are going to measure those course level objectives. And then from there, you develop all your instructional materials and all your learning activities. All right, so, so the alignment of learning objectives fits into course mapping because it sets a solid foundation for your course. And aligning is, is really a concept that um, I don't think a lot of faculty maybe understand, but it's not their fault. I, I don't think that they've ever been taught aligning the course objectives. Um, we talk sometimes about faculty being subject matter experts and then instructional designers and folks like myself being the learning experts. And so if you have your objectives aligned with a course, you have a solid foundation for a quality course. And I think once the concept of what does align mean is explained, it's not rocket science, it's not hard to understand, I just don't think faculty know about it. Right. Right. And, you know, we're not taught about that. You know, you, it's very uh, rare that we get to take those sort of courses as PhD students to design a course. You know, we, we're just content matter experts, like you said. So, so there's a real asset to this work that we do uh, in, as instructional designers in the FDIC to help sort of marry that subject matter with the, the quality course design. So, so let me ask you this, because you're very excited. This is one of the things <laughs> I love about you, is you get very excited. You said it yourself. Uh, so what's one of your favorite parts about instructional design? And I don't mean to repeat myself, but the learning objectives. Okay. Because it's like the biggest bang for your buck when you're, when you're talking about uh, quality course design and developing a quality course. Um, if we can make sure that the learning objectives are measurable and they're aligned, you're, you're off to a great start. That, that's the best advice, in my opinion, that I can give to faculty. So sorry to be repetitive, that's okay. but, no, but it's it is one of my of favorite. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And that's I right. do, I do enjoy, um, brainstorming and thinking about, uh, learning activities, building those. I had a super fun time with you when we were developing a session for August institutes this right. last year. And I would say something and then you, and we would just build off of each other about this learning activity that we wanted to do within the session. Right. And I do enjoy that. Yeah. 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 That's, that's the fun stuff. That's the stuff I like. I like designing the assessments and activities and that sort of stuff too. So mm -hmm. it's good. That's good. We have different classes here at Eastern. We have in-person classes. We have online classes. We have uh, a few hybrid courses um, that we have. So how um, are some ways that instructional design might work for someone who's teaching in person? How would you approach maybe working with someone who only teaches those face-to-face -face classes? If you only teach face-to-face, -face, and maybe a good way to talk about this is maybe like the differences between face-to-face -face and online. Good. And yeah, um, good. I mean, I believe that some of the elements of in-person instruction, they translate very well to the online environment. Um, but then some of them just need to be tweaked when you go to the online environment. And um, one somebody I follow... Cindy Huggert, so I'm going to give her credit for this statement. If you are teaching an in-person class, 
you already know how to drive a car. And if you go online, you still have that same skill set, but you're just adding to it. So now you're learning how to drive a semi truck. So um, there are some differences. Um, and I would say some of the main differences um, in online, you have technology. It's the main platform that you're delivering your course, where face-to-face is face-to-face. You have that immediate reaction of the responses from the students and such. Right. Um, another big difference between the two modalities, face-to-face and online, is how you engage learners. Sure. So face-to-face methodology is a little bit different. You get more of that um, instant response and reaction online you can't see that so um, it's a little bit different and then also especially when you're talking about synchronous online you have to be you have to multitask more possibly in the online environment especially if it's synchronous if you're having a synchronous session you have to monitor the technology you have to monitor uh, the the content that you're delivering and the engagement that's happening so I don't know if I answered your question completely, sure. but I, I look at it like comparing the two. Right. So comparing face-to-face and online, I really liked Cindy's um, description of if you teach face-to-face, you know it's driving a car, you have that skill set, and if you go to teach online, you're just adding to that skill set. Right. Yeah. And even to think about some of the things that you said at the beginning uh, of the interview, you know, you have you know, and your excitement about alignment with learning objectives. Like you, you should do that for any modality that you teach in, right? Yes. Because it helps guide that. So it's sort of like your map, whether you're driving a car or whether you're driving a semi, that's sort of what you're following. But the, the method uh, through which you're delivering that course, there's going to be some very key differences. Like yeah. you have an LMS with an online course and you can utilize that in a face-to-face course, but you're going to utilize it differently, you know? So there's some, some crossover there, but some, some pretty yeah. big differences too. Yeah. So. And how I engage with other vehicles is very differently, whether I'm in a car or Correct. I'm in a semi-truck. Right. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> We're getting all the metaphors in today. Yes. Right? yes. Garage, we have vehicles. Yes. Got it. Yeah. And right. I, I, maybe I'm, the, I'm that type of person, but I think those metaphors they stick with people sure. and then that's kind of a little I have training background right. and so making it stick right. you know that's another concept of instructional design is you want it to stick right so right. so so working with folks who teach in the, in the face-to-face right there's a lot that we can do uh, for those instructors and faculty members working in a face-to-face class that could translate to if they ever teach an online class and vice versa because there's so much Uh, that moves back and forth. I think uh, sometimes um, we get really bogged down in the, you know, the instructional technology and the instructional design as for online classes. But, you know, we, we do everything. Like we have the capacity and the capabilities within the center to help faculty across the board. Yeah, it, uh, it's like there's a happy medium. It's like if, if someone teaches face-to-face only and they are going to take a class online, they, they necessarily shouldn't think, oh, I just need to, you know, take everything to the online environment. But then on the other hand, they don't need to think, oh, my gosh, this is overwhelming. Um, this is impossible. You know, it's just usually a matter of tweaking. 
right. you know, tweaking, um, tweaking some things for the online environment. Right. Yeah, I think that that's a really, you know, a really great point to to say. There's there's little like almost little dials you can turn just to, yeah. to tweak it a little bit. And we all experienced that during the pandemic when we were teaching and <laughs> trying to do some sort of instructional triage with so much. But I think um, now that we're on the other side of that, we can take so much of what we learned and make our in-person classes much better, but also the online classes much mm-hmm. better too, because we have such a handle on uh, being able to use all the tools at our disposal to really have an effective approach to our courses and those methods to teach yeah. those courses. So. From, from my personal um, instructional design perspective, um, if, there was, if there was good out of the whole pandemic situation, um, I do appreciate the advancement that everyone has made with the use of technology tools. Um, it's, I'm, I'm not um, convincing so much like, oh, you know, this technology tool could really be helpful. Yes. I don't have to do that as much now right. b- b- because faculty members already know about these tools now because they were forced into right. that environment. Right. So, so uh, you know, trying to always look at the good, sure. you know, what comes out what what good comes out of um, bad things that that was a good thing yeah. that, that came out of the pandemic yeah it really was I really yeah. agree I really agree so switching just a little little bit here because we've talked about you know, folks across modalities and being able to work with them so and you've used words such as being a collaborator and a guide on the side so can you say more about how you see yourself at, in that role? You know, who, when, you, when you come in every day to the office and you're Kim Irvin, instructional designer, and you're a guide on the side, how do you see yourself uh, in that role? So how I see myself working with faculty is just being that partner, sure. being um, that someone that you can share your vision with mm-hmm. and be honest and be honest with, and I will reciprocate that. Mm-hmm. I will keep things in confidence. I will um, research things if that's necessary to help you with applying some of the instructional design concepts that we advocate. Right. So, yeah, um, you know, to think about your role, you know, as someone who gets to observe your role uh, in the center and, and the types of things that you do, it's always that you you are willing to take a deep dive into something. Like if something interests you and you think this this something new or it can be used for the center or to go into the program, you do, you you're not interested in the surface level thing. You're always taking that deep dive. And I can see you working with faculty to not just you know skim across the surface to to answer a question, but if somebody really wants to know something uh, and is is truly interested in that. You're willing to take that deep dive with them so that it just makes them better. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I And, you know, that's just my personality, too. You know, it's like um, I'm with you till the yeah, end. Right. You, know? you are. <laughs> Whether you like it or not. Exactly. <laughs> Whether they like it or not. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. But, and thanks for Thanks for pointing that out too, Michael. I appreciate right. that. It's a you know, it's an approach to doing the work. I mean, there's approaches to instructional design, but just approaches to any job that we do. But you are really interested in making sure that you do your due diligence and you you take that deep dive to make sure that that you're informed. But whatever you're, whoever you're working with is also informed about why we're talking about this, why it's important to have measurable objectives, why it's important to have this alignment, why it's important to have certain things within your course design because it makes an instructor, a better instructor, but it also makes the experience for the students a much better experience as well. And yeah. that, that's one of those things that just translates across any modality is that if you have your stuff together, you're going to be able to be a really effective, 
instructor. Um, and that starts with, you know, some, a lot of the stuff that you advocate for. Yeah. And I, I always try to, um, coat that with my approach with faculty, faculty members, um, we, there's so much knowledge out there now, and there's no way that one person can know everything. And so if I have a concept to describe to someone else that maybe they don't know about, it's okay. It's all right. Um, there's going to be things that I'm not aware of that I'm going to need to go back and do a little research on as well. And so that's where I, re- I think really developing that relationship Relationships are key no matter what you're talking about. Yes. But um, the relationship that I like to have with the faculty here at EIU is definitely cohesive, um, positive, and respectful. And together, mm-hmm. we will accomplish what it is you want to accomplish in your course. That's right. Um, so my, my last question for you should be pretty simple. Uh, what else do you want us to know about you, about instructional design, about your role in the FDIC? What else do you want listeners to understand from this conversation that we've had? I know that we've mentioned it before, um, but I'll mention it again. The excitement that we share or that we display is not necessarily the oh, I want my hands on your course and I want to, you know, do this and that and everything. No, it's just excitement about what's going to happen. What it's, it's the, it's the pre-excitement that we know that you're going to have after we get through this process and accomplish your goals. And so, you know, it, that would probably be the biggest thing, the additional thing um, is just don't let our excitement scare you. (laughs) We do get excited. And, uh, you know, it's important to note that all of us in the center teach, too. So we're in the classroom and we're teaching online. So we, we're, we're doing and struggling with all the same stuff as we're you know, trying to find best practices and trying to do this research and trying to develop our own courses. Um, so we have sort of that camaraderie with it, right? So, so when faculty come in and, like, we need help, I'm like, yeah, I struggled with this last semester. Let's talk about it. Or, you know, that aspect of the design uh, that we're working on for a course can help somebody else out. So we have real live knowledge and hands-on work with this, too. So we get excited uh, because people are coming to us for help and doing the same things that we're doing because we get excited with our courses. We get excited with your courses too. So, and it's a process. Yeah. It's baby steps. I remember one time we were talking about your course, Michael, I think you've been teaching here for 13 years and you shared with me up. Oh, yeah. I've got my course where I want it after 13 years, 13 years, you know? So it, it, it's a process yeah. and every application, everything that we do, every concept that we implement, it, it's just all baby steps right. to being a little bit better than we were yesterday. Right. Kim, I want to thank you for for being willing to sit down, have this conversation, uh, and share your your eagerness and your passion and your excitement. Uh, it's definitely fun to watch you do what you do every day. I have to say that. So it's it's been it's been a pleasure. So I want to thank you again for for coming in and, and recording this with us. Michael, thank you. And that that feeling is reciprocated. Um, I love being here, and uh, I love to make connections. And I look forward to working with our faculty. Excellent. Thanks, Kim. Thank you. I want to thank Kim once again for joining the FDIP in 
the guest chair uh, this week. We definitely got a good sense of the breadth and depth of all the things that she does here at the FDIC, as well as the height of her enthusiasm for working with our faculty across campus. So you've been listening to the FDIP, the official podcast of the Faculty Development and Innovation Center at Eastern Illinois University. This podcast series is to further promote teaching excellence through the sharing of information related to instructional design, teaching strategies, and innovation. I've been your host for this episode. My name is Dr. Michael Gillespie. I am the director of the Faculty Development and Innovation Center, and I'm gonna leave you with this. Remember, learning is a process not a product.